Hello there. Hola, and welcome to Sift Takers Snapshots podcast. Today, this is going to be a slightly different episode. I'm going to be joined by producer Tim. Hello there. So, what we're going to talk about today is TOing. Tim's come on the show because he's got years of experience in this field. I'm actually currently been TOing a few events. I helped TO at Nerf Herder. Uh, I've helped uh, Colm TO at some of the Element events. But what I'm trying to do now is starting to do a bit more TOing and possibly organise some more events for the team, for charity events and things like that. So uh, we've got Tim on the show just to bring it all together and give a bit of advice. So, Tim... Uh, what would you say are the most important principles for running and TOing an event? Well, for me, planning is key. And it's something I've been taught. I, I spent 10 years in the Air Force. And uh, you'll, you'll know um, from the military sort of background that you know, you, you're taught to plan for every eventuality. And you draw up your, sort of your plan before you go and you're thinking of your equipment list you're thinking of your manpower you're thinking of this that and the other and all those skills just transfer across to tournament organization i mean at the end of the day it is just one big planning exercise and most people know what they're doing so once you get them into the hall and get them playing it just it just runs uh, and as long as you've covered all the bases I, I think you know anybody can run an event as long as they are prepared to put the time in beforehand to sort of prepare for the actual day. Would you say once the event running, that's actually like a breath of fresh air, a bit easier type, definitely. type situation? Yeah, definitely. I think I always say like I'm, I'm most stressful on the Friday night before the event, you know, setting up the venue, making sure like, you know, all the IT's working, printing off score slips if I need it. I mean, I don't just run X-Wing events. My background is actually in running 40k events and I've, historically run some of the biggest 40k events in the uk i've run multiple hundred player events a year and yeah a lot of that just comes down to the preparation and sort of that's where i've sort of built the numbers up to because i've run successful events and i think a lot of my success is down to the preparation so you know you'll see me saturday morning uh running around the hall probably just getting the last bits uh, sort of tidied away um I'm a bit of a perfectionist and a bit sort of I wouldn't say I'm OCD per se but when it comes to events a lot of pride in running a good event so I do get a little bit stressed in the morning but once we start round one I know there's nothing else further I can do I mean there may be little jobs to go through to sort of get ready for like you know perhaps if there's best painted voting or something like that but generally people just get on and play and you know once it's going it's going so you know, with the setup and that, do you get like people in to help you set? Obviously, you've got staff there, but do you get like other people, like the communities that you're helping with, that type of thing? Oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm I'm certainly not one af- afraid to ask for help, even after. I mean, I've been doing this for about ten years now. If I need help, I'll ask for it, and I don't think anybody should feel ashamed asking for help because the worst thing to do is to promise you're going to run something and then just struggle alone. You know, some people you know, credit to them, but you know they they will have sleepless nights putting together things, and you know they'll be the only one there setting up. It's like ask people to help them. The community is fantastic. It's little things. It could be like we have a lot of Tuesday night events, and uh, myself and Colm sort of between us will 
work out who's TOing the evening and, and who may be playing. But, you know, if I turn up and I'm sorting out the tournament software or I'm sorting out the stream or something like that, I may just ask a couple of the locals, guys, can you just go and get the mats out for me? And they know how the mats go out and then they'll come and get the table numbers and they can help do those jobs whilst I do perhaps, say, the more technical jobs. And certainly when it comes to the bigger events, like this Friday, uh, setting up for the Element Games Hyperspace Trial, I know yourself and several of the other locals have said they're going to be down Friday afternoon so that we can get everything set up. I mean, my perfect situation is that two o'clock on a Friday afternoon, everything's done. So we can just sit back and enjoy the afternoon, maybe play some casual games. You don't want to be running around at 10 o'clock at night trying to set up tables or find extra mats or something like that. Yeah. Well, fair one. It is a good point. And I know our community within X-Wing helps a lot. You mentioned the software, though. Is there different types of software that you use? Is, it, is there a certain go-to type of software that you go to, really, that, that's helpful? Yeah, definitely. So um, there's crossover between different tournament software between gaming systems and actually in 40k i just use a spreadsheet now i built my own spreadsheet i've taught myself how to use certain formula but for x-wing there's some really useful bits of kit out there that are free to download and they've all got their strengths and weaknesses but for anybody that is just looking to start out my main recommendation is cryodex so if you search for cryodex the strength of this piece of tournament software is that it's all locally run off your own laptop or PC. So the only sort of point of failure with this is your own laptop. And what I mean with that is compare it to something like Tome, which is FFG's own tournament software, or another piece of kit I'm using at the moment called tabletop.to, is they are server-based. So if your internet goes down, their servers go down, you know, that, that can have a knock-on impact onto your tournament software. But Cryodex, it's super easy to use. The guy who runs it, he is really helpful. I've spoken to him on Messenger before and asked him when we were doing the Element Games Regional if we could um, work out how to do a bulk import for data. But yeah, Cryodex is, is one of the easiest bits of kit I've ever used. Table.to is the software of choice at the moment. And the reason I've picked that is that we can actually do everything off our smartphones. So myself and Colm can actually play in the event and we can have players enter their results on their phones. We can approve the results. We can do the round draws. We can swap players. We can do everything on our phones. So that makes it a lot easier for us to be able to play in the events and TO at the same time. The other good bits about Tabletop TO is that it has a feature to like upload army lists, um, sorry, squad lists. I mean, you can use it for 40k, so army lists would work as well. So like for this weekend's Element Games Hyperspace Trial, I'm having all the players sign up to that now and put their lists on. So when we do registration, I don't have to take a physical copy of their squad list off them. I can just check that they've uploaded their list and that works for us. But equally, if you're starting off small, don't be afraid to use pen and paper at you know, the very beginning. I've done 8 to 16 player events just using pen and paper. It's quite easy to do, especially if you're only doing like three rounds. I mean, the, if you go into on the Fantasy Flight Games 
website, if you go into products, Star Wars, X-Wing, and scroll down, you'll see there's a tab that's called tournament resources. And in there are the tournament regulations. And if you actually go through on that, it tells you how to do the pairings, how to do a Swiss pairings, how uh, margin of victory is worked out. So worst case scenario, if you haven't got the IT behind you, or you don't have time to use it, pen and paper works just fine. What I would say though, whatever you decide you want to use, do practice with it beforehand. So this is where I've almost run a four or eight player event paper-based exercise you know how, you know if i put the scores in and, and how do i do a round draw how does the round draw uh, look if i want to put it up on the screens uh, and that's the other thing to consider as well is how you're going to actually show people who they're playing each round do you need a printer to be able to print this off or do you have screens so like at element games we've got half a dozen screens around the venue that are all linked together that we can put the draws up on yeah so i think there's a lot of good software out there. So I know Fantasy Flight Games are bringing out this new piece of software called GEM, which is their global event management, and it's coming out for Keyforge at the moment. And that's a bit like, if anybody's played Magic, you will have a DCI number, like a membership number, and you'll be able to sign in at any venue around the world that uses their wizard event reporting software. And that allows the the organizers to run the events and, and do that so that's kind of what gem is at least that's what i believe it is and is, the, is this going to link to say like these new codes on the phone so like all the all the different scanning uh, where you scan in your list and things like that is that so yeah i'm not sure if they will roll it out for x-wing but certainly in the um because you've played keyforge as well um yeah you get there's an app on your phone and you'll get like your own personal account. You can start recording wins, losses. You can collect ember shards. And they've just released a thing now where they've said, you know, once you collect X amount of ember shards, you can, you know, trade that in for a prize on this prize wall. So part of me thinks that they could bring this out for X Wing, but they've out, you know, they've made absolutely no, no announcement to this. So. Who knows if they would ever do it? But that potentially is another piece of kit that we could see in the future. Right. Okay. You mentioned there about um, having downloading the uh, tournament regulations. Um, I've got them downloaded on my phone in my Dropbox. I've also got downloaded the rulings and all the, all the tournament rules as well, and all, all the standard rulebook. So, how do you? Is that how you deal with rules on the day? If there's some dodgy things going on that people are asking questions beforehand, how do, how do you deal with that? Yeah, so I think there's um, sort of two sides to this. So I would say that you, as the tournament organiser, should absolutely have a copy of the rules reference, either printed or electronically available. So even just like a PDF on your laptop. The tournament regulations are very useful to have. Um, I think they've changed now, haven't they? They don't tend to do the FAQ document and they have the um, the forum of official rulings. So give that a read over. But They've got some questions after the rules on the rules book itself, but not endless. Um... No, no, no. And I think as well, because 2.0 is fairly new, you know, still only, what, less than a year old, we're still going to have that point. Um, what I would say is ask someone who, if you're not that knowledgeable on the rules, ask someone to be your judge. 
You know, you can be TOing the the event, and you could have a player judge who is someone that you'll go up to and ask rules crews. I've run events in gaming systems I've never played before. You know, 80, 90, 100 player events. And I will have one or two referees, either playing or non-playing, that I can go to and say, oh, this player's got a rules query, what's the answer? Obviously, if your knowledge of X-Wing is good, then feel free to fill these yourself. One thing I would suggest is if you are planning to do a big event, an important event, so like the hyperspace trial this weekend, is possibly ask players for their questions before the event. Because the worst thing you want is someone's gone and built a list and suddenly you rule against them and you break their list. So, for example, I know in 1.0 we had somebody running Jabber and they built their list around, it was the double um, elicits, wasn't it? The uh, yeah. And the TO basically ruled against them on the morning, and it just completely broke their list. Uh, and no one wants to do that. No, you know, as a TO, you want to be trying to facilitate everybody having fun, you know, in a sensible way. You don't let some people have fun at other people's expense, but equally you don't want to cause people not to enjoy the day because of something that could have been avoided and i think asking people before the event have they got anything they want us to rule on so colm uh, posted up today and we're going to start answering some of these questions so that if someone is building a list around a specific mechanic that they think works a certain way then it's best for them to ask us before the event do we agree that it works this way because if it comes in game one and we go, no, don't be silly, it's, this is the way it works, you're going to have a pretty rotten day for the rest of the day when you can't do what you want to do. Yeah. Uh, no, it's a good way of looking at it. Um, and like you say, it keeps people informed early. So, you know, you, you have got chance and you're not just submitting your list till the day. So if they know early, they can even still practice before time. So, yeah, I can, can see that. So, obviously... You're talking about these rulings and putting them out and stuff like that and asking for people's thing. That will kind of segue into me leading into like the promotion side of things. So obviously people need to know about the event. People need to know where it is. What kind of promotional aspects do you use when you're obviously doing it? Yeah, I mean, I will say that promotion is possibly as important as TOing on the day. Because if you don't tell people about your event, nobody's going to turn up. And if nobody turns up, then it's not going to be a good event. You know, it's as simple as that. Uh, and you know, there's so many like useful tools out there. The first point has got to be a Facebook page. Create a Facebook page, put the times on there, put directions. You can put on capacity, you can put on price of the ticket, you can put on like transport connections. All this useful information, these will be questions that people are going to have. And if you give them that information, you just make their decision-making process so much easier about wanting to come to your event. There are stores out there that make it very hard for some players to find out about their events. And it's just, you know, give people as much notice as possible about when something is happening. And then that way they can, you know, make plans. People have got families. Do they have to arrange childcare or something like that? I think the 186 podcast calendar, if you're not aware of that, Ollie Popnell over on the UK X-Wing Events Facebook page, 
basically if you post up your event and you tag Ollie and say, can you add this to the calendar? He will add it into this calendar. And that's something you can go to and you can look at it like by month, by days, by gaming system. You can see what events are going on. And this is something as well that other venues and other tournament organizers should be using as well to try and make sure that we're not oversaturating a particular area of the country with events. Because, I mean, when I used to work for Element Games, um, I had a very good relationship with the stalls in the Northwest. And, you know, we would try and talk to each other to try and avoid running events on the same day. I mean, clashes are unavoidable in some circumstances. But, you know, when we've got an active community of, I would say, around about 30-odd players at the moment, if we're, yeah. if we're running an event here at, in Stockport, and then suddenly, I don't know, the guys up at Just Play running an event as well. Well, their players aren't coming down to us, and we're not going up to them, which is not terrible. But we could have had two even better events or bigger events if we'd just perhaps promoted and planned a little bit better. But equally, word of mouth, you know, don't be afraid. If you run a good event, tell people at the end of the event, if you've enjoyed it, please tell people about it. You know, one thing I found when I was starting off doing event management in the wargaming industry is that the vocal minority would be very quick to criticise something in your event. So, like, perhaps they didn't like the food option or something like that. But they might be one person out of 100. And the other 99 are just sat there happy and quite content with the weekend. And I used to have to say to people, just go and tell people you've had a good time. And you'll be surprised how word of mouth goes around. I mean, there's people with blogs, there's people with podcasts, as you know. Um, <laughs> and, you know, if they've had a good time and they tell people about it, that is just going to, again, increase your promotion for your event. And it's massive. It is people telling each other, people speaking to each other. I mean, I know I when I do go to other events, I, I vocalise that on Facebook and all the rest of it that I've had a good time and it is good. You mentioned there about the venues and the event space and stuff like that. Is the venue important? Does that draw people in? Is it the prize wall that draws people in? You know, what what's important about the venue and the prize wall? To, you know, that that type of thing that you can put on to draw people in. I think I think it's it's a mix. So like X Wing is a bit of a normally for me when I started running for it because like all my 40k events were unsupported by Games Workshop. So there were no prize kits that you would go and buy, and they are changing that nowadays, and you you can get stuff, but it's kind of the opposite with X-Wing. And, you know, if you were to put an event on in store championship season and didn't have a store championship kit and, you know, weren't offering those acrylics and cards, sometimes you would find that your attendance would be right down because you didn't have the right kind of shinies that people wanted to win. It's all about the shinies, isn't it, Tim? You well, know? <laughs> well, it is, it is. And I think venue is key as well. If you run it in the middle of a field, in the middle of the countryside, you know, how are people going to get there? Yeah, so like whenever I'm thinking of venues, I'm thinking of what the transport link's like. You know, is that you know close to the motorway? Have we got good train connections? Uh, international flights? Uh, I mean, this is it. Stockport, for me, is a fantastic location for a venue. Because we've got Manchester Airport on our doorstep. Stockport is a main stop for the uh, Manchester to London trains. We've got free car parking on site. But also, have a look at your venue about the space and what you can really fit in there. I think just because you can squeeze in those extra four, five, six gamers 
think about maybe having a little bit of space around those tables for your you know your slightly smaller event and just make it a bit more comfortable but also think about opening times because if you're running a four round event you got to be running for at least six to seven hours i'd say but if you need to run that fifth round you might find that some venues are actually closing you know maybe you're running it in a uh, church hall or something like that and they close at a certain time um, so make sure you you're picking a venue that can actually accommodate you um, for the times that you require another important aspect to consider is timekeeping as well so like you know a round lasts one hour 15 minutes but that's not strictly true because players are going to need five ten minutes to find the table say hello to their opponent discuss lists then you got asteroid placement ship placement setting the dials so realistically i always allow about an hour and a half for a round and that also gives them sort of five minutes at the end of time where they might finish up the last turn and then work out their scores and then probably look at get a break and then also i would have a decent lunch break and afternoon break certainly in a five six round event so that you have some gaps in the day where you can try and claw back some time um certainly if you've maybe overrun in a round or two i feel quite spoiled uh, with element games because i mean anyone who's ever visited and understand i mean it's huge event space like you say lots of space on-site bar you know th- there's this food there so i mean we're, we're quite spoiled i mean i've heard horror stories about some events run in the past by other places and obviously they've they've improved since then since getting the feedback i mean it's I mean, it's ultimately trying to get that first time hit that I'm, I'm i'm like more more conscious of yeah definitely i think i had the the, the pleasure as such of of being in charge of the renovations of the northwest gaming center when element games took over so i pretty much designed my perfect gaming venue i wouldn't say perfect because obviously there were constraints with regards to budgets and stuff like that but you know i thought you know what are the things i would like to see in a venue and that's what i was able to put in and i do feel a bit spoiled in that respect so i mean i still run my own events there my own 40k events and you know i've run x-wing events element games there uh, and it is nice to have those facilities of you know having the the internet onto the admin desk you know with the network connection to have the screens that are all linked together that i can use to having a pa system to having a bar in the venue to having plenty of toilets in the venue i mean that is key i've been to five six hundred player 40k events in foreign countries that may have two gents toilets for that many people and i can tell you the horror stories we had you know those events but yeah, you've got to think of the facilities and what you're doing for food and drink. You know, maybe there isn't a bar where you are, but perhaps you just go to a cash and carry and buy a load of you know soft drinks and snacks and stuff like that, which you could then sell on. And that kind of comes on to a later point is that, you know, I mean, if you did something like that, don't be afraid to make a little bit of money. I mean, I don't think people are going to object to you making a bit of money. I mean, no, people won't object to you making money. I mean, let's be honest, you, you, you're not, as a TO, going to want to run as a, at a loss because at the end of the day, even if you break even, I'd be happy breaking even. I'm not trying, I'm not there to make money, but I'd, I'd like 
to not pay for an event. You know well, what I mean? I want people to have a good time, but I don't want to, for people to pay for other people to have a good time. Well, you know. And I would uh, strongly suggest that uh, any TO out there do not run at a loss because you will not be able to do that long term. And then what have you actually achieved? If you're trying to build something and you're constantly running at a loss, the players, in my experience, would much rather support you and help you grow properly, as long as it's like a fair exchange and develop, than milk someone dry. There are great shops and TOs out there that provide a massive array of price support, but there are also shops that are closing because they're not they can't afford to keep going and i think you you do have to have a think about are you able to sustain your business model for what of a better word sort of going forwards yeah they're all good points tim i'm happy with with what you told me there i reckon i i, I could probably try and run a decent uh, event with everything you said i've wrote a lot of it down and um, i'll be honest with you so, I mean, we've gone through everything that I can think of, promotion, venue, software, timekeeping, rulings, awards, you know, you name it, asking for judges. So I think a lot of it is just bringing it all together as one and uh, just making an event of it, really. it's The communities, the gaming communities are great and they'll come together and everybody wants to play games. Everybody will generally have a good time. I've, I've you know, very rarely have people who come to a weekend to have a bad time. So, sort of my final thoughts really are: ask for feedback. So, once you've run your event, ask people what went well, what did they enjoy, is there anything you could do to improve? Now, asking for feedback and doing everything they ask are two different things. So I always ask for feedback, but always say that I will listen to everything, but I may not be able to act on what you're saying. And that way, you know, the players do feel a bit more involved and much more invested in their events. And at the end of the day, as a tournament organiser, I run events for the players. I don't run them for myself. And what I mean by that is that I'm not going to tell people how they want to have fun. So you need to make sure that your events are aimed at them. You know, Is it how they want to have fun? There's no point telling people, okay, we're going to have an event tonight and all you can take are X-Wings because you're probably going to find out about 50% of your community don't want to play. And then that's excluding people. Um, so find out what people want to play, listen to feedback and you know, start small. Don't jump in. I mean, I've I've had the privilege of running 240-player events, but, you know, the principles are the same whether you run an eight-man event, eight-player event, uh, or if you run a 240-player event, or even a 600-player event. I mean, X-Wing, for me, actually, is one of the easiest gaming systems I run because a lot of the players know the rules. The rule set's actually pretty good compared to other gaming systems. And... The resources you need to run an event, you just need the three by three mats. You don't need a you know a huge amount of terrain like we do for forty k and other gaming systems. You know, there's a lot of positives from running events. I do enjoy it, and I think that's kind of why I ended up having to leave Element Games because I almost enjoyed it too much and I wasn't playing enough. So I actually ended up quitting my job and going back to work in pharmacy so I could actually play a bit more. Um, but I'm still running events and I still enjoy it. Um, so yeah, I'm looking at about 80-odd players, I think, for this weekend's Hyperspace Trial. 
which should be a cracking weekend. Yeah, I still need to buy my ticket, but I'm definitely coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't don't forget to obviously sign up on Tabletop TO. So I've already done yeah. that. I just haven't bought the ticket, Tim. <laughs> okay. But yeah, I mean, I think as well, if anybody out there has listened to the podcast and thought perhaps they are running events or they're thinking about running events, and I've always said as well, I'm more than happy, you know, to answer questions and chat to people about running events. So by all means, just message the Sift Taker Facebook page and just ask you know, questions. I mean, that's that's where I've got to the point I am with running events. And it's just like talking to people and stealing their good ideas at the end of the day. And and not being afraid to ask questions is, is definitely a good piece of advice. Uh, it's definitely something, like you said, from our military background that we recommend. No, no question is a stupid question unless it comes from certain people but unless, you know, it's, in, unless it's in the rules pack <laughs> yeah unless it's in the rules pack um but yeah it's definitely a good piece of advice you know don't, don't be afraid to ask questions because there's always help around you definitely definitely all right then on that note then we'll wrap it up so it's goodbye from tim goodbye and it's goodbye from me and we hope to see you on the next uh, episodes of sis takers snapshots podcast Herding cats. Don't let anybody tell you it's easy. Anybody can herd cattle. Holding together 10,000 half-wild short hairs. Well, that's another thing altogether. Being a cat herder is probably about the toughest thing I think I've ever done.